Coming up in Need to Know, there is so much shenanigan and tomfoolery going on. We're bringing you a deluxe pop culture roundup. In all the fields, celebrities are out here saying whatever and it's literally costing them everything. And in Gotta Do, we're talking sexual health for boys who like girls, who like girls, who like boys, who like boys. The podcast that encourages you to know, feel, and do to live your very best life. This is Ward and Webster. That's not a song that I even thought that you would know. <laughs> I am not as young as you think. <laughs> love that song. Love, love, love that song. How you doing? I am pretty good. Should we start with the letter? And then I have to tell you about my dream because now we're like, we're late. <laughs> sure. Yes. So today's letter, because, you know, I'm doing my thing. Today's episode of Ward and Webster is brought to you by the letter B for Bernice Albertine King. Mm -hmm. Lawyer, minister, and youngest child of Dr. Martin Luther King. And I'm bringing up Bernice on this day because we um, don't give these, these babies of the Trinity <laughs> enough love and attention. And it's Women's History Month, and we were just talking about her Zaddy last month. So yeah, Bernice came today. That's, that's, that's what I'm feeling. That's what I'm channeling. <laughs> now on to this dream. So after our episode where we talked about dreams, I had a dream, and I rarely dream you by the way. But in this dream, we were running like an outreach center, like the sexual health kind. And it was filthy. <laughs> it was filthy. People were coming to get condoms and there were like bins of condoms that had like bugs in them and a whole lot of fish. So like live fish, like swimming, beautiful tropical fish in these bins of condoms. So I woke up the next morning and I don't know why you and I were there, but anyway, we're, we were running the center together. I think maybe it's just an ode to our past lives, but I woke up and I immediately texted my cousins and I was like, y'all, I just dreamt fish. Somebody's pregnant. Who is it? And they were all like, Ooh, not I. And I was telling them the irony of, because, you know, they say when you dream fish, somebody's going to have a baby. It means pregnancy. But the irony of that I'm dreaming all of these fish in a container of condoms. What does that mean? And why were you there? Like, we were working together. And why was the place so dirty? <laughs> Did you look it up in the book? I didn't. <laughs> okay. I know. I, I could have. I should have. What is it? I'm sure it's around here somewhere. But it was just... It's so interesting that, and I think because we had been talking about one, dreams that our coworkers were in, <laughs> in that episode, and not mentioning names, but then for me to dream you and I working together in this very prevention capacity, but it also being filthy. Like we couldn't hire somebody to clean up. Like it was just a really dirty place. Yeah, and that's, that's completely out of character for both of us. So I'm not quite sure what that means. But if it were work-related, we did recently have a situation in your life that involved us working together. I'm going to go on mute and let you talk. We're not. 
we're not. Isaiah and I no longer work together. That's it. That's all. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. You're not getting off that easy. Could you share with the wonders why you're currently unemployed? Ooh, first of all, I am fun employed, as our sister <laughs> Rosie would say. I made the decision to go on a little a little sabbatical. I'm telling you, that rest is resistance. That there, Trisha Hersey, really sparked something in me. Like, yeah, but um, yeah, no, I made a I made a decision to leave our place of employment and lay down. <laughs> And then figure out what I want to do when I get up. So we'll see. Does this fall into the great resignation or is it too late for that? Is it, are we on to something else? Because <laughs> it changes every week. I can't keep up, really. This is not that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> it had been five. It had been uh, a little over five years. Great years. And um, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, Bianca is fun employed. And um so if people want to like cash at me money for groceries <laughs> or Venmo me some, some gas money, feel free to do that until we get uh, sponsors and, and people placing ads for this year podcast. Mm-hmm. We're moving on. So Janie want to talk about that. You get on my nerves. In this week's Need to Know, we devote an entire segment to Isaiah's Pop Culture Roundup because you know what? Why not? You want to know about Nick Cannon. You want to know about Lilibet and Archie and these titles. You want to know about Chris Rock and our thoughts about what he said about you know who. Keep her name out of your fucking mouth. We're going all the way there. My Pop Culture Roundup gets an entire segment. Bianca, are you ready for this? Okay, she's ready. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are. Item number one. I'm going to read the headline. And then we're going to turn it over to Miss Ward. Nick Cannon wants to know, quote, who's having my baby? That's the headline in Billboard magazine. The father of 12 is going to be the center of the brand new game show in which women will vie to determine who will have baby number 13. Now, I ran across this on social media on Twitter when I first saw it, Bianca, I thought it was like one of those SNL like skits. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Nick's going to be on SNL. He's doing a skit. And then I clicked on it. And I was like, are they serious? Like, is this a real show? And it is. And I just, I don't even know where to begin if I'm being honest. So are we making a mockery of parentage? Are we making a mockery of Nick Cannon? Are we doing both? <laughs> what What are we doing? So I thought this was a little April Fool situation is the first thing I thought like but I was like oh it's March (laughs) so it's not that then I thought no this isn't real I was like oh maybe they're gonna roast him like maybe it's you know they used to do the roasts of like comedians and such I was like oh well maybe this is a roast but then no I guess it's not and it kept coming up on my timeline too like people were like why is this a thing and this can't be real this this feels reminiscent of um, Flavor of Love when those women were trying to <laughs> marry Flavor Flav <laughs> with those things. Like, you're like, but why? 
this can't be real though, right? Is it, I just, I don't, I don't know what to make of it. And the fact that Kevin Hart is the host makes it even more hilarious because those two are like, I think I saw somewhere where they just, where they're constantly doing practical jokes on each other, Kevin Hart and Nick Cannon, like they have this running thing that they, yeah, that they do. And so I was like, oh, well, maybe it's a joke because Kevin Hart is involved. I don't, I don't know what to make of it. Well, I do know that Nick Cannon and, and Kevin are, are friends. And so it's not too weird from that perspective, because to your point, they have this, this running thing between them. I'm going to read um, for the wonders a little bit about this in, uh, from this article here in Billboard magazine. And this has been all over social media. It says the host of The Masked Singer confirmed the news by dropping the official teaser of Who's Having My Baby with Nick Cannon. Hosted by his close friend, Kevin Hart, the series will premiere sometime this spring on E! And according to the clip, seems to involve trotting out female contestants in front of Cannon for some sort of prize. <laughs> now, the, the prize is, is the unclear part because I think, maybe I shouldn't assume, but I'm going to go ahead and assume that, that he's not really going to just have a baby with just some random woman. So there must be some other grander point to this. Maybe, Bianca, if we want it to be fair, maybe he's trying to make some point about how, you know, you can have a lot of children and that that's okay. And he wants to normalize that. And he's just doing it in a comedic way. Like, I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to give him as much license here as I can. Maybe that's the point. And they're just going to kind of laugh and be like, haha, you see, it's not that, it's not as, maybe it's for people like me who've been saying all along, ooh, 12 kids having a different baby every year. Maybe the whole point of this is to normalize um, fatherhood of, of a lot of people, of a lot of kids, and he's doing it just in a comedic way. Maybe that's what it is. Even when you said um, the, the point that you make, like he's not going to have a baby with somebody random, like, but at the same time, when we think about all of the children, the closeness in ages, you can't, I find it hard to believe that maybe outside of Mariah, <laughs> that the women that he is having these children with are women that he knows extremely well. I, it just seemed, everything just seems so just layered and back to back. And are, is he just going through like his little Rolodex <laughs> and calling it's, up girls he knows from back in the day? It's possible that the incentive is a lot more straightforward. Maybe this is just about money. And the one thing that people know about Nick Cannon is that he has a lot of kids. And so he's just out here in these streets making money off of what he's known for. Maybe it's that. You know, the talk show didn't last long. So he is out here may perhaps trying to recoup the coin. Uh, um, it is what he's known for. I don't, I don't get it. You know, I think folks have joked, like even here, like we've joked about it for a long time, but I was like, okay, now you are, no, no. Hey, maybe he is turning the jokes into cash and I, I capitalism. <laughs> I don't get it. It's, it's not for me. Item number two, Tyler Perry is considering putting in a bid to purchase BET as in black entertainment television. So Bianca, do you think that he got this idea because he's like, Fuck it. Oprah has her own network. I'm on my own network too. And I got plenty more shows to put on there than she got. <laughs> he said, I have been on own too long because a lot of his shows are on own. Let me go over here and do my, and do my own thing. I, this, 
does not surprise me at all. I think he, I could see him taking all of his shows that he has on OWN over to BET and still having that audience. Um, I am curious to see what he would, what the rest of the content would look like, because to be honest, I haven't, I don't really watch BET that much anymore. Now, BET Plus is their streaming platform, so I'm curious to see what he does with that as well. But um, First Wives Club, I definitely did watch because I love that they're Jill Scott. Um, that show was, was very cute. And I think that that was the only time that I really watched BET and, and occasionally their award shows. So what would he turn it into? What could that look like? Again, I don't know. This might just be a financial move for him. You know, he has a big empire already. Maybe he just thinks that this would be something profitable to add to his portfolio, or maybe he thinks he can increase the profitability of BET. I will say this, you know, he creates quite a few television shows, quite a few movies. And if you're a creator of, of all this content, if you got your own network that you can just put it on whenever you want to put it on, now you're really cooking with grease because you don't need nobody's theater. You don't need nobody's streaming. You just put it on your own network. <laughs> we could but, <laughs> but is there going to be variety though? Or is it going to be Tyler Perry scripts and bad wigs? Like, <laughs> but when it's yours, you do, what, you do, you do what you want to do with it. And if nobody wants to watch, they don't have to watch. This is true. But with such an investment though, I think he would want people to watch. This kind of feels to me like, you ever seen like these 60, 70 year old men, they're really, really rich. They already bought all the cars they can buy. They've already got the young, blonde, thin woman on their arm. They already have a house that they never even know how many rooms there are. And they're like, damn, what can I buy next? <laughs> and when I think about Tyler mm -hmm. Perry, he already has more money than he could probably ever spend or give away. And so he's like, okay, well, what can I do with some of this money? Oh, you know what? I'm going to buy BET. Not because he really needs to buy BET, but because he can and he's bored. And he's like, fuck it, I can buy BET, so I'm going to buy BET. He sure can. And he literally has a whole studio where he can film all of the things. I just want to see. So one of the criticisms that I've heard about Tyler Perry for a long time is that he writes all his own things. Like he's the one that creates all these things and doesn't give folks the opportunity to because he's like you know he can crank out a whole movie in like 22 minutes but he's not giving the space for other content creators and so if you are going to have a whole network it cannot just be you the same way it wasn't just Oprah so if you are I, I want to see something fresh something new something different Again, he has a lot of shows on OWN that he can transfer over to his thing, but what else are you going to do? Item number three. Earlier this week, the Royal Family of Great Britain updated its line of succession on its website. They changed the titles of Archie Sussex and Lilibet Sussex, and they are now to be known formally as the Prince of Sussex and the Princess of Sussex. These are the children of Harry and Meghan. As you all know, Harry is the Duke of Sussex and Meghan is the Duchess of Sussex. Bianca, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe that when Charles became king, that these titles became um, available for both kids because under normal order of business, if your grandfather is the sovereign or if your grandfather is the, the monarch, then by rule, that means your parent 
is a prince, and that means you are a prince or princess. So under normal order of business, when Elizabeth II died and Charles ascended, technically they got their titles then. But for whatever reason, they haven't been using them. The royal family hadn't been using them. Harry and Meghan had not been using them. This was in the news this week because Lilibeth was christened. And as you know, a lot of these customs that the royal family has is tied to the Church of England and da-da-da-da-da. So I read somewhere this week that her christening is what caused this affirmation from, from the king, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of back and forth about why weren't they recognized sooner? Is it because they're biracial? And why, why is the royal family treating Meghan and Harry this way? Give these children their titles, whatever, whatever. I actually don't want to have a conversation about that. I want to have a conversation about something else. When Harry and Meghan left the United Kingdom and came to the United States, when they were no longer working royals, they basically said, fuck all of y'all. We don't want, we don't want to do this anymore. We, we getting away from this. This is fuckery and foolishness. Y'all killed my mama. Y'all running my, my wife into the ground. Harry's like, I'm getting away from all of this because it's fuckery. He wrote a whole book about how they were mistreating him, mistreating her, mistreating the children. And so their whole, they, their whole vibe has been giving, we don't need this. We don't want this. We, we're keeping you all at an arm's length. And a lot of the people who've been supporting Harry and Meghan, both in the media and in pop culture, they've been like, yeah, fuck Charles, fuck Camilla, fuck William, fuck Kate, fuck all them. We, we're going to stand with Harry and Meghan because they're for what's right and y'all are racist and we don't want them to be connected with y'all because y'all are, are a dark aura and they're the light. And I, I can go along with all of that. There's also another constituency of people, Bianca, as you know, who are like, look, the monarchy is about colonialism. It's about colonizing some shit, stealing some shit that didn't belong to them. We need to abolish all this bullshit and get rid of it because this is really some fuckery and foolishness, to be honest. So here's my question. If Harry and Meghan don't care about the royal family and they don't care about titles, if we writ large don't care about the monarchy and don't care about titles and think it needs to be abolished, why are we out here on social media applauding the fact that Archie and Lilibeth are now prince and princess because two days before we were saying the whole damn thing needs to be abolished. So I'm confused. Who's asking for these titles? Is it their parents like saying that, yes, they want their kids to have these things because they're rightfully theirs? Now that's a very good question. I didn't see it come from Harry or from Megan's mouth. But the fact mm -hmm. that Lilibeth was christened, it was in People Magazine. If you want to go to People Magazine, um, it references her christening. And the announcement of her christening referred to her as Princess Lilibeth, and it gave the rest of her full name. And then after that, the royal family formally changed her name on their website, on their line of succession, where they have all the people who are in the line of succession. Mm -hmm. Obviously, she's been in that line since she was born. But before her christening, they were calling her Miss Lilibeth. And oh. after her christening, they started calling her Princess Lilibeth. Now, whether or not Harry and Meghan asked for that change, I don't know. Whether or not they changed it because she was christened, I don't know. Whether Charles and Camilla woke up and were like, you know what, fuck it, let's just change these names. I don't know that part either. But I do know that it was changed. I am curious, the, the second point you made, does it have anything to do with the christening? Because, you know, like, when you are... I don't know, when you're Catholic and confirmed, whatever, like you get some different Catholic name, like there's some name change thing that happens sometimes. Anyway, I don't know. I just, it's just, <laughs> I just, I don't 
don't know. I don't know. I'm well, curious, me... like, if, if her parents, if, if their parents were behind the scenes, like, okay, you know, sometimes we want things for our children. Like, we want to make sure our, our children have things that might not be important to us, right? Like, maybe there could be like, okay, you know, we know that this is foolishness and fuckery, but these are our children. They are deserving of these titles. It's and their birthright. It's their birthright. And then when they are of the age, they can also say, I don't need this bullshit and I can denounce it as well. So I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I get that. And a lot of people in the comments on social media, and let's, let's face it, that's where I'm getting most of my information because I truly don't care. And they were like, well, it's their birthright. And so they need to have these titles. And I'm like, okay, but in every other circumstance, you are against the monarchy. In every other circumstance, you keep saying that these people are racist colonizers and that we need to get rid of this. So if that is your belief, then that is your belief. So don't be coming now saying, well, let's call a little bit a princess and Archie a prince because you don't believe in any of this. So I just need people to be consistent with their um, criticism of the crown. Either you believe in this bullshit or you don't. And if you don't believe in it, then that means you don't believe in it for nobody. You can't say, oh, well, it's Princess Archie. I'm sorry, Princess Lilibet and Prince Archie, but Camilla can go to hell. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. It's either all or nothing. And so that's what I'm saying, Bianca. I don't believe that people are born into something just because I don't believe any of that. I do find it fascinating and I do like the pageantry of it all. So it doesn't bother me that there's a monarchy. So I don't care. But for the people running around honoring the royalty that they want to honor, but then throwing shade on the royalty that they don't like, and then saying that the monarchy is like trash, Lilibet and Archie are part of the monarchy. They are they are literally in the line of succession. And if, God forbid, something were to happen to the people in front of them in the line, they would be in charge. This is true. So I don't want that for my little um, princess. <laughs> so the question, I'm going to ask the question one more time before we move to item number four. Are we, are we doing this or not doing this? I just need to know. I just, I just, I, I think I just need more of the backstory of, of why now. Because once again, if this is like they're christened and this is what happens, then nah. But if this were something that their parents were like, no, they're, this is their birthright. Let them have these things. Nah, fine. <laughs> um, I just, I don't know. But also, do I care enough? Probably not. <laughs> I don't care enough either. And just to be consistent here, it's, it is noteworthy that Archie has been christened for quite some time and his title did not change until this week as well. So oh, if they were changing it because of the christening, he's already been, he was christened because he's older than his sister. So like they mm -hmm. didn't change it then and his title before this week was master, but now it has been changed to prince. So I don't know, maybe, and, and maybe it's more innocent. Maybe the people that run the website just, just got around to updating the shit. Who knows? <laughs> no, and I am not calling him master nothing, so... <laughs> not doing that moving right along <laughs> item number four of my pop culture roundup an extended version of my pop culture roundup this is my favorite topic chris rock former oscar host and former person that got his face slapped at last year's ceremony showed up this week on netflix for his own special where he kind of did a return to stage and everyone was waiting bianca with bated breath to see what if anything, he was going to say about the Smiths. Now, if you've been living under a rock or on another planet for the past year, let me quickly bring you up to date. 
At last year's Academy Awards, Chris Rock was a presenter. He went on stage. He made a joke about Jada. She laughed. Then she frowned. Then her husband went on stage and popped Chris in the face. He went back to his seat. He said, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. And then there was a fallout. The fallout was they banned Will Smith from the Oscars for a decade. Da, 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 da. Did I leave anything out? <laughs> no. Every, and everybody had a think piece and an opinion. Carry on. Everybody and their mom, including us right here, did, did, did a show about it. Okay. So Bianca, for the last, I don't know, year, Chris Rock has held his silence. He has not said a word about the situation, about the slap, about anything. Will Smith, for his part, has apologized, I think a couple of times at this point. He, I don't know what he said to Chris behind the scenes, but he apologized publicly for what happened and he said he regretted it, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we finally heard from Chris Rock this week via this special and he dragged them both. Let me just let me just go ahead and say he dragged them both. He brought up um, the affair that she had. He brought up how they put their business out on Front Street with the red table and all the rest. He brought out how he thinks that Will was really mad at her and not him and that he just took it out on him. He said he didn't respond or he didn't fight back because they were in front of white people. He said all sorts of things. Before I, before I turned over to you, there was lots of comments about whether or not he was funny or not. I thought he was funny in some parts. Clearly, I think he was dealing with his trauma of the situation in a very public way. But as you've said on this show a number of times, and now I'm going to repeat, we don't get to tell people how to react to something that happened to them. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give y'all the Bianca line. We don't get to tell people how they react. So even though maybe I wouldn't have handled it this way, I'm not coming to this mic today saying to Chris Rock that you should have done what I would have done because it's, you do you. Bianca, I know you didn't watch the whole special. You've probably seen clips or seen the reaction on social media. What do you make of this? I don't. <laughs> I was like, when that came out and I was like, no, that's not for me. It was, um, but it was all over. Good Morning America, the Today Show, the, all of the things. I think it's interesting. Oh, maybe not even interesting. I, I take that back. This is also, he has held his silence for a year because after the Oscars, like he was on tour and he was like, not talking about it, right? I would be curious to know, because again, capitalism, I'm sure Netflix paid a Q coin for this here comedy special. I am sure he made a stanking bang <laughs> because this is what people have been waiting for, this, this response, right? So I just, yeah. And I've, 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 yeah. And I've heard about the jokes. I, I saw the clip when he, I think when he mentioned the, the red table and all of that. And I was like, okay, I just, I just, I'm, I'm he, exhausted by Chris. Does Rock. he have a point about that? So he says in his show, and I'm paraphrasing. He said, I wouldn't normally bring this stuff up, but they brought it up. They, they put it out there. So if they're gonna, if they're going to talk about their relationship, if they're gonna talk about the affair, if they're gonna put it out in the public domain, then. It's fair game for us to talk about. I mean, we talk about people's shit every time we come up on this show. <laughs> we talk about Nick Cannon and his sperm <laughs> earlier. People put it out there and we talk about it. And maybe, maybe there is, and maybe there is some truth to that because I think, I think the red table situation could have gone a lot of different ways because it started with August Alsina putting it out there and then Jada having a response and then it comes to the table and all of that. It could have, it, it didn't have to come to the table. They definitely, they made a choice. <laughs> so here they are. And so maybe there is some truth to that. Like if people are going to 
put out things, you know, everything is public, but everything is public opinion, whether people are intentional in, in how they frame it, or I think what they were attempting to do by addressing it and doing the whole red table thing is trying to also control the narrative. Like they could have, I was going to say gone on Oprah, but Oprah, I don't know. They could have sat down with somebody if they wanted to, whatever, whatever. But they were like, no, we're going to do it this way, our way, in our space. And they put it out there. And so so maybe Chris Rock has a point. Like they put it out there. So we don't discuss. One of my really close friends, a Black woman, she said, I don't mind Chris saying his piece. I just wish he would have left Jada out of it. Say what you want to say about Will, but leave her out of it. And I get where she's coming from, but in this particular situation, I don't know that that's possible because really Jada was the, was the hurt party here. Will Smith wasn't hurt really. His actions, if you want to view him in the most positive light, his actions were in defense of her. So it was really a beef between Jada and Chris Rock, in my opinion. So to, I don't know that you could discuss this and leave her out of it because she's at the center of what this is about. I would agree, but he's had, and again, we talked about it when we talked, like, there's this history of issue between this trio. Like, when he has hosted the Oscars before, he's cracked jokes on them. Like, it's it's always been, it's just always something. And so, at what point, who, need, who needs to let it go, right? Like, I just, ugh, he exhausts me. So I think this might be the end of it. I would be stunned if the Smiths say anything in response to him. I haven't seen in 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 news reports that they have, and I don't think they want to like revisit this. So I think assuming that assuming that he doesn't keep doing this, I think this will be the end of it. And I think they just go their separate ways. You know, we joked last year when this happened, we were like, you know what, a year, five years from now, maybe Will and and Chris will be joking about this. I now don't think that that's in the cards because the the way that he talked about Jada this week I don't think there's any coming back from that so I I I don't I just think they're just gonna there's just gonna be bad blood there it's unfortunate but I think that's where we are I agree I know when last year people were like well maybe they'll have Chris Rock on the red table and they'll (laughs) and they'll talk it through there's no uh uh-uh he don't get to he don't get to no (laughs) and that is okay what happens when racism and all the other isms ruin the bags these celebrities are out here doing whatever, saying whatever, no matter what it costs. So <laughs> one of the wonders, um, one of the wonders had dropped the Scott Adams situation. He is the the creator of Dilbert, <laughs> the comic, the comic strip, into our Instagram DM. And it just reminded me that one, that this whole Scott Adams thing happened. So he went on his show, his YouTube channel. Um, he was responding to a, um, a poll. And I think the poll question was like, is it okay to be white? <laughs> and so then he goes on this whole rant about staying the fuck away from black people because they don't like you and just just this whole I mean things that he had been clearly feeling for quite some time and unapologetic about it as well because since this has happened he's he's not he's not taking it back and to be clear he called black people a hate group a hate group yes he did 
Yes, he did. And so since then, and I listened to, of course, today explained, they'd had a whole episode on, on this issue. And he has lost at this point, 80% of his income as a result to all of these newspapers now stripping his, his comic. One of the things that they brought up was the fact that he um, only ever had a black person in his strip once, (laughs) one time. And then even then the joke was, I don't know, something underlyingly racist. Anyway, so he has been clear, which it also reminded me, I was like, damn, Dilbert is still around. (laughs) Because that's one of the things that they talked about on Today Explain and how like it was, you know, really in the 90s, how it was like this very big thing, the comic strip, the the stuffed animals, the calendars, they, he had a show for a little bit and just how it was a big um, cultural phenomenon of the 90s, this whole Dilbert thing. And now that essentially is no more because he is saying he's getting it off his chest telling us who he is but it really got me thinking about how we have seen especially recently no we've always seen child racism ruining the bags we we spoke very briefly about kanye in a previous episode Mm -hmm. Uh uh-huh and how kanye is whew child Japanese, all of them they were like nope no thank you you are done and 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 in Kanye and I'm sorry in Ye's case anti-semitism yes okay yes so yes all these so they said "Uh uh-uh no more just this last week uh Isaiah Washington who I had totally forgot was a thing (laughs) announced his his retirement from and from the entertainment industry. And for those who don't remember, Isaiah Washington was on Grey's Anatomy for quite some time. And then in 2007, um, was was using homophobic slurs against his co-star and all of these things. And then from there, he, we ain't see him very, <laughs> very much. Now I did look on his, IMBD and he's done things here and there it'll be like one episode of this and one episode of that but Grey's Anatomy the movies he was doing before like he was definitely a star but ever since that I feel like we just haven't at least I haven't have you seen Isaiah Washington anywhere Mm-mm, no not at all Mm-mm. so now he has he has retired so in his he is also Isaiah Washington is also very Republican and pro-Trump. So when I was hearing about him was previously um, just some of the tweets that he was putting out in his Instagram stories about <sighs> Chow, all of the his Republican love and his Trumpisms. Oh, black man. <laughs> So, you know, we're going to talk about a few people here. You put four in the arc, and these are just the first two, Scott Adams and Isaiah Washington. And by the way, I hate Isaiah Washington because I have a name that's very close to that. And on occasion, people you do. have slipped I up never and even called thought about me. that. People sometimes will call me, people who don't know me, they're like, oh, Isaiah Washington. I'm like, but that's not my name. Get it right. Anyway, the commonality with a lot of these folks, Bianca, is Trump. They're all Trump supporters. They're all, they all kind of came out of their caves in 2016 and I think it was because they felt like they had the license to do so one person that I thought of immediately that's not on your list 
is Roseanne. So remember, she had a show in the 90s where she was like almost this feminist, working class, everyday woman speaking truth to power. And I don't even remember her. When I think about Roseanne from the 90s, I don't think about her as like a conservative or Republican or like, I don't remember her character or even her as being, I would have thought she was a Democrat. I don't know why I thought that, but just her public persona would have led me to believe that she was liberal. Well, she's she's just like these other people. She has these, she harbors these, these feelings that kind of came to the surface vis-a-vis Trump. And like, she has the same belief system, like, uh, all this, all these crazy views I'm not even gonna repeat. Suffice it to say, they're racist, they're, they're, they're xenophobic, they're nationalist, all of those things kind of roped in. So I say that to say this, Scott Adams, Isaiah Washington, Roseanne, they're all kind of like these Trump-ish-esque people. And I feel like they just feel emboldened, Bianca, to kind of just say whatever they want to say and not feel like there's going to be any pushback. And it might be because Trump himself has never really suffered any consequence for the bullshit racist stuff he says. I mean period if he can say it all why can't everybody else i completely forgot about roseanne (laughs) she had a whole show come back people were watching she let the world know how she felt and they killed her off her own show do you and i don't remember what she said to get canceled what did she say is the reason why they took her off abc i don't remember what it was but it was something racist something Mm -hmm. like and uh but anyway yeah so they had so she lost her show and her Mm -hmm fortune over some bullshit. And to the point, the reason why we're having this segment, it's one thing to to have these feelings that you should probably keep to yourself in all phases of life. It is quite another to ruin your fucking career over some bullshit. Scott Adams, he told the New York Times this week, he's like, yeah, it was white people that canceled me. He's like, black people didn't care. It was the white people that canceled me. And I was like, that is a very interesting way for you to think about this like nobody did anything to you you used your whole self your whole (laughs) mouth Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) we're just holding you accountable for what you said so so it's no one's fault but your own period and the thing is i think it's interesting too because there's these i also blame social media because (laughs) media youtube people can now go tweet instagram all the things and put all of their feelings out and in these very public platforms and expect no recourse like he had to i almost wonder if he had to have known scott adams talking about now had to have known what the repercussion and backlash was going to be. You have lost, I mean, like every newspaper has pulled him. And he even said in the videos, like, I know I'm going to lose all my money or whatever. And so, but you are standing 10 tones down in how you feel. Also, maybe it doesn't matter to him because he has amassed a fortune. That's one of the things that they were talking about on the Vox um, interview is how just how much money he has made over the decades off of Dilbert. So maybe some folks are like, well, shit, I have I have all the bags. <laughs> now I can literally say and be who I am. I think part of it, Bianca, is that for a long time, I think, people have resented the fact that our society has become more politically correct. In other words, 
these are the views that they've had all along, but they don't feel like there's been an environment in which they could share them. And so Scott Adams has probably felt this way for his whole life. But before Trump, he didn't feel like he could go on a show and say how he feels. And now I feel like people are like, you know what? Fuck it. We don't like this PC culture. We want to be able to say whatever we want to say to people. And, and that's it. That's all. And so because Trump is giving us the license to do that, we're going to do it. We're going to take that license and we're going to do it because we haven't liked this from the get-go. From the get-go, we didn't like the LGBT umbrella. From the get-go, we didn't like transgender people. From the get-go, we didn't like how Black people were taking up space. But we didn't feel like we could really say anything. It wasn't safe for us to be openly racist. So we had to be covert racist. Now, Bianca, I think what we're seeing is that it's okay to be openly racist again. It's okay to be openly sexist again. It's okay to be openly transphobic again. Whereas prior to Trump, it was not okay. And I think that's the shift that we're seeing. I don't think we're seeing a change in people's attitudes. I think we're seeing a change in what they believe they have the license to do and say in public. Yes, period. One thing though, I think even as we were listing these people, I also think about J.K. Rowling, who wrote the Harry Potter series. So she is very clearly transphobic and she she puts that out there like she is. But that is not harming her in any way. And she also, you know, she she makes tweets like people are like, how can you be like that? She was like, oh, I just continue to cash my checks. Like I, you know, get my checks and don't feel bad or whatever, some, some comment that she made. And it's like there, because there will be people out there who will support. So whatever Scott Adams does next, if he's taking his, I, her, I think I saw something that he was taking his Dilbert to his streaming platform or whatever, people are going to support it because they're going to be like, oh yes, he's been saying what we feel and free speech and all the things. And they're going to support it. Somebody, well, Isaiah Washington, child, he's retired. So as he says, <laughs> but I am sure somebody will, somebody is going to support the folks who just come out of their face with whatever. And I also have Paula Dean on here because I forgot about Paula Dean. <laughs> Can I make a confession? Can I make a no. confession to you and if the one? You tell me you um bake her uh pies, I'm gonna be mad. <laughs> I, I I don't bake her pies, but before this happened, I loved Paula Dean. I would watch her shows. I just thought she was <laughs> like it was clearly like so much of her persona is is made up. Like I don't really think that that persona that she had on TV was really her, but I found it entertaining. And so I would I would watch her make them there all that fatty ass shit with all the butter and the cream and all the rest. I was I was living. And then oops. <laughs> and then she said let me tell you how I feel about these here Negroes. And, and did she also have like black servers like dressed up as folks who were enslaved passing out her dishes? Like it was well, just- if, I'm, if I'm being honest, I, I didn't really care about what she said. What I cared about was that she had employed black people to work for her. And two things, she had made them dress in demeaning ways and she wasn't paying them. Their, their workplace environment was not safe in terms of wages in terms of the way that she treated them. And that's really why I had my falling out with her. I didn't have a falling out with her about her, the comments that they associate with her. And I'll tell you why in a second. But I think it's important to say that when you're an employer, 
first and foremost, if you're not treating your employees fairly, if you're not paying them a, a, a living wage, if you're doing anything to them that makes them feel less than, you're a trash ass person because people spend so much time at work. That's their livelihood. This is how they feed their families. Get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. So when, when it came to life, how she was treating the people that were, that were working for her, that's when I really said, no, you got to go. Got to go, sis. A whole ass mess. I don't, I, I don't cook any of her things, <laughs> but her restaurants closed. Like, yeah, she lost, she lost quite a bit of money and in influence mm. restaurants, closed, cookbooks went, went mm-hmm. under and all the rest. Now I will say this, and this is less about Paula Dean and more about the response to Paula Dean. I did think some of the criticisms of her and some of the response to her was a little bit holier than thou, because I was like, okay, so here we have an old white woman who's lived her entire life in, where's she from? Georgia, South Carolina. Where's she from? Somewhere Southern. Georgia. I think it's Georgia. Savannah. I think, I think she's from Savannah. So uh, this might, this might sound unfair wonders, but just, just hear me out. If you're an, if you're a white person from the South and you're of age, meaning like you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, I'm going to just go ahead and assume that at some point you've said something crunchy. You've looked at somebody crunchy. You may have been a part of a system of something crunchy. Cause let's be honest, Bianca, it would be hard not to. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not trying to say you have, you have bad character, but what I am saying is that you, if you're a white person of privilege in the South and you're an old person, there ain't no way in hell that you ain't at one time in your life says something you shouldn't have said. You know what I mean? We talked about that with Jimmy Earl. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So when, so when the Paula Dean thing came out, all these people were like, oh, I can't believe she said that in the 1970s about the Blacks. And I was like, now y'all, you know damn well this white woman has said some shit under her breath that she shouldn't have said. Why are we acting like she's never said something about Black people? That's not reasonable for us to believe that that's even a possibility because that doesn't make any sense. Of course she said some racist things. She's an old white woman from Savannah. What kind of Disney world are we trying to grow up in? That doesn't make any sense. And but so does what that give I, her a pass? I think it especially does, it when gives people her, become public figures. It doesn't give her not a damn pass. She's going to be canceled nonetheless. But it does, it should, it should temper the way that we talk about her and the way that we respond to things, particularly from things that, that, that are attributed to her from like years ago. And a lot of the comments that they had said she had made were not contemporary. They weren't comments from this century. That was stuff that they had said she had said years ago. And I was like, yeah, that tracks. That makes sense. I thought, that was, I thought those things were recent. Well, okay. So let's be clear. This whole Paula Dean thing, like when everything was closing down was 2013. But mm-hmm. I thought this was her still saying this stuff. Again, we need to go back and look at the receipts. I remember it as as comments that she had made some time ago, but it doesn't really matter. She said it. So like, whether you said it yesterday, you said it last week, you still said it. But my point is, mm. what is it? Do we, ex- my point is, do we expect someone with her profile to not have said something? And I think that that needs to figure into the way that we look at people. And, and I think the Jimmy Carter reference from last week is a perfect example. Where's Paula Dean now? I feel like she's somewhere cooking for Trump. She she on the campaign so trail making stupid. biscuits and gravy. So Just stupid. sauce them butter. So this next one you added, I was a little bit surprised because I didn't even think you knew who this person was. You want to tell the wonders okay. who you put on here? Okay, so let me be clear. I got this BuzzFeed article. <laughs> 
And the title of the article, and it came out last year, 14 Famous People Who Were Dropped by Brands After They Did Something That Was Controversial, Inappropriate, or Offensive. And so that's where this Cam Newton situation was and in where I remembered Paula Dean. And I'm surprised that they didn't have Roseanne on here. Anywho. Um, so in 2017, Dannon, the yogurt, <laughs> dumped Cam Newton. <laughs> as their spokesperson, which I didn't even know that he was, after he got backlash for saying, it's funny to hear a female talk about roots. Roots? Routes? Routes. I'm, I'm saying it's, it's funny routes, to hear... like a football route, like a play. Okay. <laughs> I've been thinking about you because I know the combine has been on it. I was in the gym yesterday yeah. and they were combining. Anyway. I love it. Routes. So it's routes. Routes. Yes. When a female reporter asked him a question during the press conference. So he was then dumped because Dannon said, we are shocked and disheartened at the behavior and comments of Cam Newton towards Jordan Rodriguez, because that's not Rodriguez, um, which were perceived as sexist and disparaging to all women. It is entirely inconsistent with our commitment to fostering equality and in and inclusion in every workplace. It is simply not okay to belittle anyone based on gender. We have shared our concerns with Cam and will no longer work with him. Bloop. <laughs> so if you don't know, Cam Newton was quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. And then at one point he was the quarterback for the New England Patriots. He appeared in one Super Bowl, which he lost. Before we get into what he said, I have a question for you. Why do some straight men in referring to women, say females, that is, that it always grinds in, my gears. It grinds mine to like to dirt. Why and do they say that? And it is so. There, I saw like this whole article, or like me something about how no females is an adjective. Like that is not what you <laughs> call women. Like it. It is so. I hate it. I hate it too. And and I'm reminded because when he made the comment, he made the comment, he's like, females don't know nothing about routes. He could have said women. He could have said ladies. He could have said girls. Why female? It's just such a weird thing to say. And straight guys do that. I, I suppose, I'm, I don't, you know what? I've never heard a gay guy say that. I'm, so I'm going to stick with that. Straight guys say that all the time. Ooh, females. And I'm like, but why? Is there something, and, why, is there a reason you can't say women? <laughs> and I hear it more amongst black cishet men to Does be Cliff honest ever say that i don't think so because i would be shocked and appalled and i would correct him i don't think i don't think i've ever heard him say that but it's not being said in this hyattsville estate anyway so that was just a little tangent wonders if you know the reason why some black cis straight men say females all the time as a catch-all for people with vaginas let us know now back to this so obviously the sexism here is that he doesn't expect women to watch football, to know anything about football, to follow football. Now the NFL was not too thrilled because, you know, they're out here making all these quote unquote female jerseys and selling them to people. They trying to make their coin. And what they can't have is someone discouraging the ladies or the females from watching the football because they're trying to get coins from everybody. <laughs> from everybody and when I think of the husband has on ESPN a lot 
in the house, especially like in the morning. And I'm always seeing women on the shows talking about the footy ball. And sometimes I'm like, yes, ladies, you go ahead and talk about those shit I know nothing about, but you're doing it and you sound great and you know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> One of our favorite people, Jamil Hill, used to be on ESPN yes! her own show. Yes. So, so they're as they're as well known as some of the guys. So yes. So absolutely. And it's interesting to me. I guess the point where it ties into this segment, I find it so fascinating that that Cam would jeopardize his his own coins just to make some sexist ass comment about women. Like, why even go there? Like, who cares? Keep your comments to your damn self so that you can keep your money in your pocket. That's to me, that's the part that I find so crazy. It's like people come out of their mouth with shit that's costing no one but them period they always <laughs> like nobody is it's just verbal diarrhea just can't hold it in can't squeeze your butt cheek together <laughs> to keep it in and people are opening up their mouths and saying whatever could people say the same thing about us on this show <laughs> well we don't i mean i don't i don't know about you but i don't have much to lose really <laughs> So maybe, maybe yes. 20 years from now, somebody will dig up this podcast and be like, that one time Lord you said <laughs> You're about to be on fire today. I don't know. Was there anyone else on the BuzzFeed, not BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed list that you think is noteworthy? Or did you just pick all the Black folks? No, I had, so all of the other things were um, not necessarily things that they were saying, but things that they had done. So okay. again, speaking of, of, football uh michael vick (laughs) was on the list um but he would argue uh, that that was an addiction he had an addiction to gambling that's what he would argue and that he needed some help okay um (laughs) there was also (laughs) there's there's a whole that's the whole thing i think like gilbert godfrey had said something like oprah um not oprah whoopee she had had a deal with slim fast so they had done this article right after um Kanye after Adidas and Gap terminated mm-hmm. him. Um, and I think I'm sorry, Bianca. It's Yay. I think that's what he would like yay. to be called. Let me let me be clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was dropped um, in 2004. Whoopi Goldberg was dropped as SlimFast spokesperson after she made sexually explicit puns about President Bush's name at a fundraiser in New York for that's Democratic so nominee John Kerry. That is so silly. <laughs> now she's a comedian. So you would you would expect that would be like signing Chris Rock and expecting him to never curse. Like, like, I don't understand why, but whatever. And so she literally said, so in a statement, she responded, while I appreciate what the slim fast people need to do in order to protect their business, I must also do what I need to do as an artist, as a writer, and as an American, not to mention as a comic. In other words, she's saying, I appreciate yeah, that little check yeah. from Slim Fast, but I'm not going to let these <laughs> dollars dictate what comes out of this mouth. And, and you know what? I appreciate that too. And maybe, you know what? Maybe Cam Newton was like, fuck Dan. I don't eat yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Paul Dean was like, fuck Food Network. I don't care. I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> literally, but also, so could the same, you know, I don't do that devil's advocate, but could Scott Adams be like, I have made all of my things. I don't care. That as, part. And I'm going to tell y'all to stay the fuck away from black people is literally what he said. I mean, I mean, that, that could be it. Now you always wonder, you like, 
usually they say someone who's made a bag is trying to keep the bag and make more of the bag. We talked about Tyler Perry earlier and how much mm -hmm. money he has. What if he was like, okay, I'm tired of making money. Now I'm just going to say how I really feel. You can take it or leave it. But does that hurt you in the long run, even if you feel like you've already made your bag? And so Scott Adams' reputation is ruined. And now this becomes like, in his obituary, this is the first line. Paula Dean's reputation is ruined. And so no matter how much money she has, she can't get her name back. I tend to believe that no one would ruin their name and reputation and their ability to make more money, even if they already have money. Because I mean, why would you do that? What do they call it? Freedom of speech. <laughs> I've met very few people who didn't care about their name. You know, there's this mm. classic line in What's Love Got to Do With It, the movie, where she's like, he can have all the money. He can have all that. I just want my name. Yeah. So let me tell you how we're in sync. Because I was literally thinking of that same movie, that same line when we were talking about um, Archie and Lilibet. <laughs> that the royal family can have all the things, but they said, we want that title. That is my name. Carry on. Look how we're, ha. <laughs> that's very, that's very fair. Very fair. Mm -hmm. Anything else before I get us on to the gotta do? Now let's move on. And um, folks, be careful what you say because people are watching and listening show. <laughs> and this week's gotta do, we remind you that bisexuality is a thing and people are out here in these streets. And for Bisexual Health Awareness Month, Bianca and I have got some gotta do's just for you. Or do we have several because you can't make up your mind? Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> so before we get into this, so I don't have to tell you, Bianca, but in the queer community, there's this stigma that surrounds bisexuality. A lot of folks feel like it's just a, what do they call it? A, a station on the way to, you know, gay. That's not true. But, you know, a lot of people believe that because I think for them, they don't see bisexuality in the same way that they see um, heterosexuality and homosexuality. And so I think for a lot of people, it's hard to kind of um, conceptualize. And I also think in our society, for reasons that we don't have time to get into today, women tend to be more willing to embrace their bisexuality and men not so much publicly. And I think this leads to a further stigmatization of people who are bi. I would agree. Yes, I think I would agree with some of those things. And also, there is the stigma or because there's this, I feel like the world wants things to be black and white. Either you're gay or you're straight, either you're this or you're that. But I think now even more so, things are just more fluid. Gender is more fluid. Sexuality is more fluid. Your, your preferences are more fluid. And so I think that there is space for, there really is space for everyone. And I think this bisexual health awareness month um, which is march which we didn't know and so we be wonders we just be looking up shit and stumbling upon things and we like oh that's cute <laughs> is um interesting because they are talking about in one of the the articles from that i have here from hrc they talk about coming out as bisexual to your doctor like even just being bisexual, engaging in, with, in sex with very, not various partners, um, partners of varying genders, those might require 
different testing or might require different conversations with with your doctors when you're talking about your sexual practices. And depending on who your physician is, they might be making assumptions about you, um, about what you do, about how you get down, and you may or may not be honest and open about your um, about your sexuality and therefore the care that you might need. And that might be different. 100%. And let me just for the wonders kind of give some definitions here, Bianca, so everyone's really clear about what it is that we're talking about. So Bi Health Month was founded and led annually by the Bisexual Resource Center. And it raises awareness about Bisexual Plus, which is inclusive of bi, pansexual, fluid, and queer folks, etc. It's that community's social, economic, and health disparities that are of concern. The Awareness uh, Month advocates for resources and inspires actions to improve bi plus people's well-being. So that is quite simply what Bi Health Month is all about. And they're really focusing on moving beyond visibility and to address some of the issues that um, I just talked about and what Bianca uh, mentioned earlier. They also talk about um, in one of the links why Bi Health matters. So it says, according to current estimates, bisexual plus, so as as I mentioned, bi, pan, fluid, queer um, individuals represent over half of the LGBTQ plus community in the United States, but in, experience significantly worse physical, mental, and social health than their gay, lesbian, and heterosexual partners, peers, excuse me. Nonetheless, bisexual plus populations are often understudied in health research and bi-specific community services are critically underfunded. I think that is really, um, I think that's really interesting. And then it just kind of goes on to more about research that has been done that highlights higher rates of depression, suicidality, interpersonal violence, and other physical and health disparities compared to homosexual and heterosexual peers. I almost wonder, so I, I would have to dig into that. The research is from the Institute of Medicine's report, of Medicine's report, why that is. Why what is? Why bi folks experience this, experience a lot of these things even more so than their homosexual or heterosexual peers. I think people, and this is just my own opinion from my own observation, people like stability, they like boxes, they like to know where you are and where you're going to stay. So for the whole time you've known me, you've known me to be this queer effeminate man. And so if I showed up to your house next week with some woman and said, Bianca, I'd like to introduce you to my girlfriend. Even you might struggle to hold your face together because that would sound absurd. <laughs> would it not? <laughs> I would be like, wait, what now? <laughs> Does she, has she, has she met you? <laughs> Does she have a big old dick that we don't know about? I mean, uh, and perhaps. And perhaps. Because that's what you know about Isaiah. And so I think that, I think that that's the struggle. I think that it's so disorienting to people to learn that someone that they thought they knew everything about and that they had put into this nice, comfortable box is actually bisexual. It just, it changes your whole understanding of that person. And as it relates to straight men in particular, you know, they always think that everything's about mm -hmm. them. So if one of their buddies were to say that they were bi, I think their first thought would be, oh, are you into me? Like, no, I'm just, I'm nobody confiding. I'm confiding you. into you. What? No, 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 nobody likes you. You but, don't even. But that's where, that's where it goes. <laughs> 
that's where it goes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think there could also be something said, I think, especially when we, when we think about men, as you mentioned, like with, with women, perhaps it is, is different, but when all of the, I think, especially the stigma around bisexual men, when we going back to the forever of the DL men and just just all that foolishness and fuckery, um, that there isn't there isn't the this the space, the acknowledgement, the acceptance, I think, for them to even come out as bisexual because once again it's one or this world is very one or the other. And I go back and forth. This is we need a whole nother segment on this. I go back and forth on whether bi people and trans people are being, are we, we're doing them a disservice by including them in our alphabet in this whole LGBTQ soup that we do. I think, I think they get lost in there. I think that um, so many times that becomes just a placeholder. I think, I think oftentimes LGBT becomes a placeholder for gay and that's not what it is. And so mm. when I say lost in there, th- that's what I mean. Interesting. That's just my view. That could be a whole nother conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do we use LGBTQ as just a placeholder for gay when that's when we when we would be better served by saying we're referring to gay here versus we want to have a intentional conversation about bisexuality here or mm-hmm. trans folks here? And I feel like by just using those letters, I get what we're trying to do, but I think they get papered over. Mm. because the because by being this umbrella this catch-all this inclusive then some folks are not are then being left out in a sense when when you do a catch-all no no when you do a catch-all whatever's the dominant feature in the catch-all tends to take over you know that's that's what i'm saying if you have a if you have a rum punch and you have five (laughs) ingredients whatever the strongest ingredient is, is what comes through in the punch. And so it's the same thing. You got four or five letters there, whatever's the, the biggest letter, the strongest letter, the most vibrant letter, whatever you want to, however you want to spin it, that's kind of what comes out. I know you got that punch reference. I did. And it was delicious. So, but how do we know who the stronger, strongest letter is? Oh my God. Come on, Bianca. We know it's, it's these gay Queens. It's gay men are <laughs> always going to be the, the strongest in that pile of people. They, they have the most power. They have the most privilege. They have all of that shit. So, you know, yeah, take wait, the Queens out and then we have hold a different on. conversation. You said gay, gay men, but do you actually mean gay white men? Because once you said the the power, the privilege, I think that's I think that could look different. I would I would argue that gay men of color have mm-hmm. more privilege than women or bi people in the LGBT mm. dynamic that I'm speaking of. In that dynamic, the the mm-hmm. gay men, regardless of their color, are going to mm-hmm. have more power in that room. I mean, we could we could prove that. Pull 50 people together in a room and call it LGBTQ. First of all, see who just shows up. Yeah. See who feels comfortable enough to even come. And mm-hmm. then just watch the dynamics play out. The gay men will, will I give them 10 minutes before they take over that space. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Let me have a function <laughs> so that we can put this to the test. And now I am now thinking of the places and the spaces that I, ha- I have been in. I mean, I have I have always worked in queer spaces. So even when I think about, yeah, 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 yeah. I had to pause there. 
because I even worked somewhere where it was like, mm, not women, not lesbians. We're focused just here. <laughs> like, no, 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 not them. Um, mm-hmm. I remember for, this is the last thing I'll say. I, for a while, I was on the um, Capital Pride planning committee. Capital Pride is like the, the pride celebration here in Washington, D.C., and I, I only did it for two years and then I got off of it because it was it was a mess for reasons we can go into in Pride season. But Bianca, I was struck by how this this group of folks who were planning Pride for the whole city, I was struck by how it was overwhelmingly male, overwhelmingly cis, and overwhelmingly white. And so they they've taken some steps to kind of break that. But like the group think in that group was definitely gay male centric. Um, and to the point you were making, white gay male centric. But after that, the next people on that list were like the queens of color. I'm talking about the Latino men, the black men. I mean, they were they were right behind those white queens telling everybody else what to do. Mm, noted. So what do people got to do this month? <laughs> oh, that's just a whole nother. We could have a child. I don't know what this segment turned into. What you got to do is why don't we why don't we direct them to this buyhealthmonth.org website to really learn about buy health and why it's so important and then ask the wonders to share it. I think that that would be a great service. That's a got to do that doesn't cost you anything but a click. Love it. Love it. Before we wrap up, cautiously optimistic. And we're out of time. See y'all next no, week. It is- been a long time friends we lean into the mic you know anytime i lean into the mic it's because i am coming with what y'all need okay first an apology it's been a minute i have been slacking okay i have been but here i am because if isaiah webster the third can have a whole extended ass pop culture roundup you can get some of this cautious optimism on today you ready Cautiously optimistic with Bianca Ward. When you want to be excited, but you know that all shit nanigans are possible. Today, I am cautiously optimistic. (laughs) Today, I am cautiously optimistic about the following. Job interviews. (laughs) Professional references. And antihistamines. Cautiously optimistic with Bianca Ward. You're welcome. Can I tell you, last week, I sounded a mess. I was listening and I was like, oh, Bianca, you sounded hoarse and ridiculous. My allergies are on a thousand. I watched this whole, um, the Today Show had an allergist on and they were talking about why allergy season is worse now than ever. And a lot of it has to do with climate change (laughs) because they said that because we are not getting winter so we're not getting that that frost to like seal up the shit (laughs) to to freeze up the things because of that because we're getting more rain and all of the plants and the flowers and the trees the trees especially are ruining me are blooming much earlier than we're having our allergy seasons are starting earlier and they are running from a long time and she was like there's really nothing you can do about it (laughs) but take off your clothes when you get in the house and keep your windows closed and turn on the AC. She said, don't go outside. I am I'm, suffering. I'm going to apologize for saying this before I even say it because I know that I shouldn't. You sounded like a whole man <laughs> last week on this show. I was like, who 
is this? I didn't know that this, I didn't know that I was doing this show with a whole nother man. But no, that's Bianca oh sounding God. like that. I thought it was kind of sexy and raspy. No? <laughs> I don't even know what to make of this right now. I listened and I was like, oh, girl. <laughs> it was a struggle. Let's get out of here. Let's let's recap uh, the things. Celebrities are cutting up. The, the pop culture, Nick Cannon got shows about his sperm count child. <laughs> Chris Rock is doing whatever and cashing in. Tyler Perry trying to buy Black Entertainment Television and Princess Lilibet is just trying to live her best life. Do, do, do we care? Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. What we do care about is people opening up their mouths and ruining <laughs> their bags and their lives. <laughs> but hey, somebody has to do it and clearly they are. Be careful what you say, friends. And in Gotta Do, Share by Health Month. Love your bisexual friends. Make sure you are taking care of them and give them extra hugs because they may enjoy that, okay? Also, keep reading with us, our award and Webster, Better You Book Club book, I'm Not Yelling, A Black Woman's Guide to Navigating the Workplace by Elizabeth Leiba um, is our book for March and we will be discussing it on our March 25th show. Speaking of shows, you can visit wardenwebster.com for new episodes of this here iconic podcast every Saturday morning or maybe Saturday afternoon or whenever Isaiah gets around to posting them because lately I don't know he's in love and he has been slacking child but they gonna come out you're welcome. Follow us on all of the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Ward and Webster. That's what you got to do. And keep sliding into our inbox with these here um, things you want us to know, feel, and do. You can email us at wardenwebster at gmail.com. Anything else before we go? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right, then. On that note, I am Bianca, cute but congested Ward. <laughs> and I'm Isaiah Webster, sounding like a whole man. Shut Thanks up. for listening. <laughs> We're out. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>